You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Thanks, Elliot and Adriana, for leading us this morning. Good morning. My name is Keith, uh, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Mission Creek Alliance Church. Uh, A a strong welcome to you uh, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, particularly if you're new or a visitor or maybe you're a family member that's in town. Uh, We're we're thankful that you're here. Uh, We've got a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Uh, And I'm wondering if we can do something a little bit different, maybe something a little bit out of the box for you this morning. Uh, I'd like to do a few shout-outs. And I'm wondering uh, if if some of you would be willing to shout out one or two of the things that you're thankful for, maybe in a word or or two words. Uh, What are you thankful for? I'd love to hear your shout-outs. So activate extroverts. Oh, great preaching. Thanks, Jake. (laughs) That was not planted. (laughs) Family, great, yeah, family, friends, salvation, yeah, free from cancer, wow. I heard someone else say say one over here, sorry, falls, spouse, okay, I don't know why I wasn't hearing that, but I am with you in that, I'm with you 100%, yeah, his grace, yeah, peace. Yeah. Yeah. We, Canada, yeah. With all the things going on in our world, we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to pray for. You know, the, the, the truth of the matter is we know that when we take times uh, to think about it, to reflect, we have a lot to be thankful for. But if I'm honest, I have to say that there are times where, where I lose sight of the things that I'm thankful for. And when I lose sight of these things, my gratitude, it wanes, and my entitlement, it grows. Uh, and I think we're all like that from time to time. We need to, to refocus, to, to readjust our perspective on the things that we have to be thankful for. And it's because seeing clearly is the first step to responding gratefully. This is the way it works, uh, that before we can give thanks, our eyes must be opened to the things that we have to be grateful for. And now, parents, you know this really well, right? Because as parents, we, we spend a bit of our time trying to adjust our kids' perspective so that they might see clearly and respond gratefully, right? When we tell our kids, you know, if you only saw all that your, your mom did for you, you'd be thankful, Right? Or your dad, all the things that, that you'd be grateful. Parents, we know this, that, that, that seeing clearly is the first step in responding gratefully. We need our perspective to be adjusted from time to time so that we can enter into the fullness of gratitude. And this morning, I, I, want, to, I want to focus uh, your, your perspective. I, I want to help you see the, the radical and deep and gracious generosity of God this morning. Because when we see the generosity of God, or better yet, when we receive it, there is nothing left to do but to give thanks and praise. 
And so I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. It's our Thanksgiving text uh, today. Matthew chapter 20. Uh, if if you uh, have one of the pew Bibles in front, I, I encourage you to pull it out and, uh, and follow along in the text. It's on page 689. Or you can type it into your device. Matthew chapter 20. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 16. This is our Thanksgiving text. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and find sti found still other, others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray, Jesus. Give us eyes to see. The great generosity of your heavenly Father. Give us eyes to see the great generosity that you embodied in your life, in your death, and in your resurrection. Give us eyes to see so that we might be thankful and become your people in a greater sense of the word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This story is upside down, isn't it? It's backwards coming forwards. It's, it's all wrong. It's the story about a vineyard owner who, who hires workers at five different points in the day. 
And the ones he hired first, they work a full 12 hours. And the ones he hires last only work for one hour. And then when they line up to be paid for their work, there are a number of surprising things that happen. First, we read that the last workers to arrive are paid first, which is totally unconventional. This is not the way it, it was supposed to work in that day. Second, we see that these late arrivals, they are paid for a full day's wage, which would have been a denarius. It's a living wage. It, it would have been enough to, 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 to put food on the table with maybe a little bit extra. And third, the third surprise, it turns out that, that, that these hired last get paid the same amount as those who are hired first, the ones who worked a full 12 hours. And we can feel it, can't we? The scandal brewing. And we feel it when, when we, we read the text, when we hear it. The scandal is brewing. This, this story is mixed up. It's, it's upside down. There's something wrong with what's happening in this scenario, and we can feel it in our bones, can't we? What kind of an owner does this kind of thing? I mean, it's not fair. We identify with the first workers who worked 12 hours, and they say this in verse 12. They say, these who were hired last worked only one hour. And, how, how, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of work in, in the heat of the day, of all things. I mean, someone called the union rep, right? <laughs> we got a grievance to file here. I mean, shouldn't those who have worked all day long and, and, and who have worked hard, shouldn't they receive payment in proportion to their service? Don't they deserve more? Yet, the vineyard owner pays the last workers the same as the first, and then he proceeds to scold those who have worked hard for expecting what we would expect is right and fair. Where is the justice, Jesus? And how on earth is this a story that's supposed to, uh, to show us a picture of the generous God of the kingdom? Like I said, the story is upside down. And so let me help you hear it right side up. Because when we hear Jesus' parable here right side up, we can see God more clearly. And seeing clearly is the first step to responding gratefully. And so let me help you hear this story right side up by telling the same story, but, but telling it in a, a very different way. And to hear it, you're going to need to use your imagination. But I want to encourage you and let you know that I put this story together based on my careful study of the text. You know how I love to study the text carefully. And so I invite you to use your imagination. Imagine with me for a moment that it is you in the marketplace when the vineyard owner arrives. This is more or less how your day would have gone. It begins with your alarm. And the alarm pierces the rest in the wee hours of the morning while the rest of your family continues to sleep. The morning air is cool on your skin. 
The house is quiet and dark. You're up before the sun, not by choice, but by necessity. The early bird gets the worm, as they say. Early to bed, early to rise makes you healthy, wealthy, and wise, as they say. But despite what they say, your life doesn't fit a cliché. You're up early hoping to be the first in line for work because of your desperate need. The cupboards are bare. The family is hungry. The kids are hungry. And there's little work out there for someone with your skill set. Let's face it, it's a pretty small set. You make your way quietly through the dark house, careful not to step on those notorious floorboards that will creak and wake your sleeping beauties. You skip breakfast, not just to avoid the clanging of dishes, but to ensure that there's something to eat when your family wakes up. You walk out your front door and and down the dark street toward the city center. It's a little before 6 a.m. When you arrive at the corner of the marketplace, you you see the usual suspects gathered there, too. It was a similar crowd every day because it was the place in town where everyone would go to find work for the day. And yes, it's as humiliating as it sounds. Standing on the corner vulnerable to the judgmental stare of all the employed people who are on their way to work. You feel like a glorified beggar, holding out hope that someone will give you an honest day's work. Because a day's work equals a day's pay equals a day's food on the table for the family. That's simply the way it was for you day in and day out. There's no need to get into how you arrived at this routine. The point is you're there once again on the corner at the crossroads of despair and hope. And so you greet your acquaintances and you take your place among them and you wait to be hired. And the silence is deafening. It's deafening because in the silence, your head is screaming. It's screaming, I hope I get hired today. I need this more than all of the others here. My family needs this. And then screaming silence is broken by a man approaching. It's the wealthy owner of the big vineyard in town. And it's strange that he is here to hire the workers and not his vineyard manager. Why is he here? But who cares? He's here to give you work. And so you push your way through the crowd, vying for his attention, shouting out your resume, petitioning for the work. But it doesn't help. It's not long before he takes a handful of other workers. They're much younger than you are. They're much quicker and better at their work. Their hands don't ache like yours do. Let's face it, they're they're much better at what they do than you are. Hopefully someone else will come and give you work. You push your way through the crowd. Oh, we've we've done that. (laughs) Three hours pass, and we'll do it again. In those three hours, you're alone in your thoughts, but suddenly the man returns, and your spirits, they raise within you. 
there's still work. It's not a full day's work, mind you, but it's work nonetheless. And so, again, you push and you petition, and this time you actually catch the man's eye. And it's almost like he recognizes you from the morning, and he smiles. But to your disappointment, he doesn't pick you again. It's the same old story. Last again. Three more hours pass. It's noon, and it all happens one more time. You catch his eye, he smiles, but he chooses someone else. Three more hours pass. It's 3 p.m., and he's back again. Why on earth does this vineyard owner keep coming back? I mean, he must be the worst owner in the vineyard business because shouldn't he know how many workers he needs at the beginning of the day? Why does he keep coming back? Could it be? He's coming back because he knows you're still standing there, hungry, desperate. Yet once again, with a nod and a smile of recognition, he doesn't hire you. At this point, you think about going home. The day is almost done, and there are just a few of you left, but, but you stay You stay because you're not ready to face the humiliation of returning home with nothing. Again. Your heart sinks as your mind recalls the words you've spoken before. Sorry, kids. There's nothing today. 5 p.m. rolls around. You pack up your things to, to go home, but to your surprise... There he is again, an hour from quitting time, and he's back. What does he want now? He catches your eye, and this time he actually speaks to you. He looks you straight in the eye, and he says, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Are you serious, dude? (laughs) You respond with a hefty mix of disdain and despair, saying, I'm here because no one has hired me. (laughs) Duh. Then the man says the words you've longed to hear. Go. Go and work in my vineyard. And so you run. (laughs) You run to the vineyard. You run because time is short, and you only get paid for the time that you work. And as you run, you begin to calculate how much you'll earn. What's one-twelfth of a denarius? Would it amount to about $15? Whatever it was, at least there would be enough for some bread and a small piece of meat to share with the family. And you're filled with gratitude that at least there will be something to share with them tonight. And when your hour of work is finished, you you go and you take your place in line to get paid, and you're last in line, because that's simply how it works. Last to work means last to be paid. But to your astonishment, the vineyard owner goes and he whispers something into the ear of his manager. And then the manager walks past the people in the front of the line all the way to the end and begins to pay them first. And what's this all about? And as you put out your hands to receive your fraction of pay, to your astonishment, 
You're given a whole day's wage. A whole day's wage. How on earth does something like this happen? A whole day's wage? You would have gladly worked for it. But what a grace. What a gift. Who is this generous owner who pays a full day's wage to those who haven't earned it? Who is this, this compassionate master who returns to the village over and over and over again until all the workers have been hired? Who turns the order upside down and pays the last workers first? Church, do you hear the story right side up? When we hear the story right side up, it becomes good news, especially for those who are used to being last. When we hear the story right side up, it's good news. It's a story about our generous God in the shape of His kingdom, a God who does not treat people in accordance with their own efforts or accomplishments, but treats them in accordance with His goodness. It's the story of a God who doesn't want the privileged to be sole recipients of His blessing. So He takes special care with those who know very little about privileged positions. The last become first in this God's kingdom. He sees to it that no one is overlooked, that no one is excluded from his care. He keeps coming back again and again to make sure of it. Do you hear the story right side up, church? <laughs> Do you hear the good news of our, our generous God? Sounds a little like this, that you are God's special possession. Every one of us here in this room and all of those in homes and alleyways across our city are God's special possession, from the last to the first. And when God looks at you, He doesn't fix His gaze on your mistakes or flaws, though He sees them all. Rather, He's fixated on the deep needs of your heart and your life, your need for His love and embrace, your need to be seen and lift it up. God's generous love for you is not measured out in proportion to your good deeds, and it's not withheld from you because of your biggest mistakes. His grace does not rise with your accomplishments, nor does it fall with your failures. The generous love of God returns again and again to welcome the last as well as the first into his vineyard of joy. Do you see the story right side up? <laughs> because seeing clearly is the first step to responding gratefully. And so the question that arises is, is why are we so offended when we hear the story the first time? Why does it sound backwards coming forwards? Why, why does it sound upside down? Why are we scandalized by a generous vineyard owner who insists that the last are first and moves the first to last? Well, we're offended, I think, because we're used to being first. 
Or at the very least, we're scandalized because we've come to believe the lie that, that certain people should be able to earn their way to the front of the line to receive the blessings of life. This simply is the way our world works. It's, it's a story that we're taught from a very early age. Do the right things, and, and you can get to the front of the line. Work hard in life, and, and, and you'll earn the rewards. You see, we're surrounded by this economic ethos that, that, that hands out rewards for services rendered. And now I'm not bemoaning the fact. This simply is the way our world works. It's, it's ingrained into us deeply, but church, it's not the way God works. You see, God doesn't live from an economy of rewards. He lives from an economy of generosity, an economy of grace. No one earns their way to the front of the line with Him. More than that, don't miss this, in God's economy, the first must make way for the last because heaven knows they need it most. Why do we have such a hard time when we first hear this story? I think it's because we live from a base economy that says we pay for services rendered, but God lives from a, an economy of radical generosity. And so the story sounds upside down to us because we're living with the wrong economy living with the wrong perspective. But Jesus actually wants to turn us right side up. He wants to help you see whether you're typically first or typically last. He wants to help all of us to see God and His generosity more clearly. It's why He tells the story precisely the way He does. And we see Jesus turning us right side up again when, in order to see how generosity works in the kingdom. We see him turning us right side up in the text in verse 8. It's when the turn happens. The text says, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages. But then this, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. He pays the last workers first. It's, it's unconventional, as, as we've heard, but, but why does he do it this way? I think you and I, when we think about the story, we see a better way of paying the workers, don't we? And it's not in this order, right? Why not pay the first workers first, let them go on their merry way, and then pay the last workers whatever you wish? Because if you do it this way, everyone's happy. No one's the wiser. God can do what he wants, and it's kept in secret, and everyone goes away happy. It wouldn't cause an offense. So why does the owner of all things reverse the order and make the, la the first last by paying the last first and doing it right in front of them? Well, I think it's because he wants the first workers to see his generosity. Seeing clearly is the first step in responding gratefully. The owner wants the first workers to know every bit of his character as much as the last workers will. And to be certain, the two groups will experience generosity very differently. But sometimes 
our stinginess needs to be confronted in order to fully understand God's generosity in the world. Sometimes our, our sense of entitlement needs to be scandalized in, in order to understand the depths of God's grace toward people. Sometimes our privilege needs to be disrupted in order to truly see God's economy of grace and love. In church, we cannot be thankful for the breadth of God's generosity until our eyes are open to how far and wide it stretches and to whom it reaches. More than that, we cannot be thankful for the extent of God's generosity until we've received that kind of love for ourselves. This is how we know what love is. Jesus was first. Before anything was, Jesus was. He was in the beginning, he was with God, and he was God. And so Jesus is the ultimate first. But he chose to become the least among us by taking on flesh and blood, becoming a man, a servant even. And this innocent God incarnate took the sins of the world upon himself and died a criminal's death on the cross under the weight of the world's sin. And he did it in order to purchase your forgiveness and mine, and to reconcile you and me to the God who made us and loves us. Jesus the first became the least in order to make every last one of us first in his family. This is the gospel. This is the generous love of God that Jesus is pouring out on all people from the last to the first. And when you see this generous love, when you receive it, the story doesn't sound so upside down at all. In fact, it turns us right side up. In church, having seen God right side up, all that's left is to give our thanks and our praise. Let's pray. Jesus, you reveal to us the fullness of who God is. And Jesus, on, on this Thanksgiving weekend, we pray that you would give us eyes to see the fullness of, of the generosity of God. And Lord, we're a room full of people who have experienced life in very different ways. Some have gone through life feeling like they're, they're, they're first or at least close to the front of the line, and others have felt like they're last or at least cl close to the end of the line. Yet, Jesus, your generosity, it pours out onto all that you have made. And that, Jesus, we just want to hold open hands and to receive the goodness of who you are. And Jesus, as we see a picture of, of who God is, we pray that you would arise in us authentic thanksgiving and wholehearted praise, for you alone are worthy. Mm. To you we give our thanks, Jesus. We pray these things in your name.
Amen.